0: You're listening to The Broken Meeple Show, a podcast that speaks passionately about board games for the benefit of those who play them. My name's Luke Hector, best known for the Broken Meeple YouTube channel, and I'm an everyday gamer just like you, and I'll be talking about reviews, top tens, and just about anything that connects me to board games. As long as I have a tea or coffee in hand, that is. So grab a cup, relax, and enjoy. And remember, it's only a game. Hi everybody, welcome to another Broken Meeple podcast episode and this one's gonna be a bumper one. I'm either gonna have to talk really fast or just accept there's gonna be a long episode and that does depend on how long my throat wants to talk for because I got a mild case of the lurgy I think from HandyCon but uh, otherwise all pretty good. But yeah, thanks for joining me. This episode has got a lot of to cover, from channel updates to what I play to news to the Games Expo. Yes, finally I'm going to start talking about that in more detail because I'll be there next week. So, let's get on to sharing my screen, here we go. So, terms of the channel, well, first up, as you will know, well, hopefully a bunch of you know, Finally, I broke the 20,000 subscriber milestone. It took forever to creep those last, like, 50 subscribers to there. And now already it's at 20.097, so it's already shooting past that. But just thank you, everybody, for, you know supporting this channel for getting me to that milestone. Here's to the next one, whatever that will be. Probably 25k. Let's think (laughs) smallish. Let's not go too mad. But you know, I've done a thank you video for this and I can't thank everybody who views the channel, who supports the Patreon, who gives me encouragement, you know, when small creators normally get the short end of the stick and that, you know. So yeah, thank you everybody for that. Uh, as a result of doing the 20,000 subscribers, you will note that on some of my videos, you will see that there is merchandise around the place where basically I am, I have a store now. So I, people have asked about it and finally I now have it. So I believe, can I find my store on here? Probably not, but maybe if I go into a video that will work. But the idea is, is basically there is now a... Uh, a storefront where from i think it's called uh, spring by creator or something like that where basically you can buy stuff to do with a blog so let me just uh there we go make sure it doesn't actually play for sound ah it did But here we go. So you can see that I've got some products linked down in this video here. I've got a a cloth mask because people still wear them. I've got a mug. I've got a broken meeple comfort t-shirt. I've got a water bottle. I've got other t-shirts. I've got a hoodie and stuff like that. So yeah, you can now click on the links in there. You can click on the link in my description in every video, get taken to the store. And if you want to have something with my logo on it or my catchphrase, it's only a game, then by all means you know, grab something that you like from there. Uh, You know, any profit basically goes back into the channel. It's just another way to keep the channel running. People have asked for it. And finally, I decided to actually get off my rear end and actually try and sort it out. So thank you very much. There you go. On top of that, um, I have also, if I can go back to YouTube Studio for a second, I've also started running two new types of content. So alternate content is definitely getting a lot more buzz than, uh, you know, various other types of content i mean i've noticed reviews are a bit on the downturn shall we say i don't know why my page is taking a while to load up there we go that's better and basically i decided you know what if you can't beat them join them so trying a couple of other different uh, ideas for the show the first one being game highlights what i played during the last month i've done for april and i'm going to do one for may june july and keep going forward it's had some decent reception, mostly 100% likes. I mean, literally just the one troll who disliked it, um, but everyone else has liked it. Good engagement, 2,500 views. It's not too bad. Beats half of my reviews, though. Uh, but, you know, it's, it's a nice one to put out, and it gives me a, it gives me a chance to talk about games I've played recently that aren't necessarily Cult of the New, but it also gives me a chance to maybe do, not reviews, but kind of impressions of games that I otherwise wouldn't do a review video on. But the main one I've done is rate my shelf, keep or cull. Yes, everybody is into keep or curls. And I did try this about a year or two ago where I tried to do cull videos and acquisition videos. And it became a bit of a hassle trying to do it separately. So I stopped doing acquisition videos because, frankly, you can just check out my Facebook and Instagram to see what I've bought recently. because I'll just put photos up. But in terms of what I'm thinking of doing is I did a sh- series called uh, Shelf by Shelf during lockdown. And I've had a lot of nice comments from people about what those videos meant to a few people in lockdown. But basically, it was really popular. But I did like one a day, I did 50 of them, and it was like, oh Christ, (laughs) I can't do that again. So what I'm doing is that this Rate My Shelf series will allow me to choose a random square on my Calax collection, of which there are three of these, well, there's the two behind me, there's one in there and one downstairs. There's quite a few of them. And basically, pick out a square, take the games out, give my impressions of them, And state whether they're keepers for life, effectively, like I'm going to keep them for the foreseeable future, or potential culls. And I do mean potential, because I'm not trying to get rid of half of my games like someone like, say, Board Game Ramblings is. You know, I'm on about trying to keep myself in a kind of one-in-one-out scenario, to an extent. I mean, for example, I've just recently taken Nemesis off the shelf because I'm culling that one because... It's too fragile, it's too big, it's too bloated, and I kind of, even though it was a good deal for the boxes, I kind of regret getting it now, but that freed up like two shelves worth in the calex, so they've now been filled up with a bunch of little games that I've bought recently, as well as a couple of review copies that I've got, so, you know, mostly it's one in, one out, but... I'm just trying to not go overboard with new games so the idea is is that the potential culls are the ones that if I am going to cull games these are the ones that would come onto the pile and Nemesis being one of them you know too fragile too big and bloated always got to relearn it the game can just fall flat if people get eliminated early it's just it's got too many problems for me to get over to it's got too many problems for me to try and offset against the fact that it has a wonderful theme looks cool and has the occasional great game but occasional great game is not enough reason to justify a 250 pound you know all-in kickstarter pledge so you know that one is on the cold pile but i've done a couple recently and you've all been very receptive to these i mean these two have a hundred percent likes so even the trolls can't come on and dislike these videos so you know that's saying something i've done two four and a half thousand two and a half thousand for the one i did a couple of days ago four and a half for that one some of my top 10 lists haven't got to you know that kind of levels of growth you know so clearly this is the topic people like and the reception and the comments have been fantastic the engagement's been great so yeah i'm still i'm gonna keep doing them i've done two episodes already can't wait to do the third honestly i I didn't realize they were going to be this popular but I'm going to keep doing them. Not at the expense of doing other content, mind. I will still be doing reviews. It's just this is a quiet period for reviews. And although more on that in a minute. And obviously I still will do top tens beyond the base game. And I would like to do some collaborations soon. In fact, uh, I've had a couple of people suggest that they'd like to do something. And in fact, Sam Healy, uh, you know, for, for, formerly of the Dice Tower, has a new series um, on YouTube starting at the moment. And he's said that we should do something together at some point. So I wonder what kind of top ten Sam and I could do. That'd be interesting. But my God, yeah, I've got to get my I've got to get off my butt and sort that out because that would be great to have him on the show. But okay, so that's the stuff in there. Um, in terms of upcoming content, uh, review-wise, I've got some uh, interesting little stuff to do. Uh, I've been sent a copy of Mindbug, the little two-player magic game. I've had a few games of it so far, and. You know, I'm not going to give much out in the way of impressions here, but basically, this is a game that, you know, not a lot of people have heard of, but it's a two player game. It's essentially a dueling game, much like Magic the Gathering in the sense, and it's got Richard Garfield's name on it. The idea being that you take these monsters, you set off against each other, try and kill your opponent, but a couple of times during a game, you are allowed to take control of one of your opponent's creatures interesting little gimmick the question is is it enough of a gimmick to make it stand out from the magic of the gathering crowd which this game is so desperately trying hard to emulate but you know or at least the kind of maybe maybe less so magic the gallery maybe more so something like um was it burn cycle no not burn cycle what was the one that uh fantasy flight did keyforge yeah something more like that but basically the two player head-to-head creatures whatever you know that type of genre so more on that soon I've also been sent a big copy of the retail edition of Planet Unknown. So this one has had a lot of buzz lately from a few reviewers, but also that. It's already ranked 359, despite only being released in 22. And I am curious to see if this game is worth all the buzz it's getting, because I have not played it. I've seen it being played, it looks interesting. I'm fairly impressed with the uh, amount of stuff you get in the retail box. The question is, is it any good? Is the fact that you can play it with up to six players more of a gimmick? Like, you know, is there just basically no interaction and it's just simply a way to say, look, if you want to play it with six players, you can, but there's no point. And is the polyomino thing, uh, you know, a decent enough game? So we'll find out. I'm very keen to get this one played. And also, Sinister Fish have sent me a copy of Moon, and I know that some people uh, got advanced copies of this and reviewed it, but I am not a fan of doing stuff, uh, Kickstarter previews at the moment, I'm kind of trying to weed my way out of those, or at least try to cut them down substantially, like really only focus on the Kickstarter stuff that I get, which is really up my wheelhouse, like say for example Tainted Grail, but Moon, some people have reviewed, like, pre-Kickstarter copies or prototype copies. Well, I like to get stuff on retail, so I've got a retail copy of Moon, and I look forward to playing this because I'm kind of interested in some of the mechanics in it. Uh, But mainly, yeah, I'll let you know what my thoughts are on that one as well. So, yeah, free reviews. And as for top tens, I have a... Uh, was it a new top 10 releasing this week before the expo top 10 house rules this is one of the higher ones voted on by my patrons and obviously i'll get to the other ones as soon as i can but yeah top 10 house rules i apply in games so that will be a little fun one for you there but yeah all good and health wise i'm not too bad i mentioned lurgy but lurgy is whatever the main thing i've had is a lot of headaches recently where i've kind of frequently get headaches and they're usually tension headaches and they get debilitating and they're kind of annoying and people have badgered me for ages to say luke go to a doctor and see someone and i've procrastinated on this for ages finally i got to see a gp it takes a while in the uk to sort those out and i saw them and we've come to the conclusion or at least the theory that my headaches are mostly caused by a couple of things. Firstly, the staring at the computer screen a lot. My day job and my, my work life and my social life does involve a lot of concentration stuff with eyes. Now my eyesight is good, but I'm wearing glasses for VDU use. So these glasses are here so that I can stare at the laptop screen and not have to focus my eyes too much. Now, it's not an instant fix, so the GP did say that it will take a couple of months for these to, my eyes to get used to this idea and stop the headaches as a result of that. But we think the main reason the headaches are caused is because of sinus-related issues. When your sinus gets blocked up inside, it causes pressure on the inside, and that's why my headaches are always there. And it seems that maybe I'm just a little bit more susceptible to um, allergens than I thought. Because I normally don't take hay fever tablets until at least this time when it gets really hot. But apparently you're supposed to take hay fever predication in March. Yeah, as early as March. Because apparently when the grass starts growing and all that, that's the time when the pollen and all that starts. So, you know, something new every day but it turns out that it could be that there's a mixture of hay fever and dust and just various things that causes my nasal sinus to go a bit haywire even if i don't realize it is she did an inspection and saw that my nostrils were quite inflamed on that day even though i'd taken a hay fever tablet so i've been prescribed uh, a proper nasal spray as well as some heavy duty um, allergen medication antihistamine and i'm going to take those for a month and see if that does anything to curb the headaches but certainly, I do get more headaches in the summer. The heat, the stuffiness, the the allergens and stuff like that. I mean, I hate the summer. <laughs> I hate the summer. Please give me autumn and winter. I feel much better in those months. But that's just kind of the way it is. And I get a health test. In fact, the day I'm going up to the expo in the morning, I'm having a health test. So... You know, it'd be interesting to see if that reveals anything. But yeah, I suspect it's just an allergen problem. And the more I get susceptible to allergens and my sinus blocks up, the more I get the headaches. And that's probably why painkillers don't work as well on them. So I'm stopping taking painkillers now. Yeah, but like I say, it's probably minor. Nothing to worry about too much. You know, I'll give you some updates as that goes along. But I'm, I'm in decent health. You know, other than that, I'm in decent health, right? So don't worry too much. Except maybe for that slight lurgy. Ready though, okay, so let's have a look at a game I've played very quickly, because I don't want to spend too much dwelling on this. Uh finally, I've played it, everyone. What game you ask? Explorers in the North Sea. Yes, finally I've got this game. Wretched game played. In matter times, people were saying get it played, and the fact that this was a, a, a one I could find in print, because obviously shipwrights is pretty much out of print until the Redux, Explorers was like, ooh, I can finally try this Garfield game. Mm. Turmeric tea is my uh, uh, conv- beverage of choice for this video because turmeric is very good for antihistamine stuff, you know, hay fever and colds and stuff. You know, turmeric and ginger. Gotta get that in your system. But Explorers of the North Sea is basically. I think it was the third in the North Sea line because I think it was shipwrights, then raiders, and then explorers. Explorers is basically a pick-up and deliver game. You have a bunch of Vikings and a little boat and you sail off to these islands which are built in a Carcassonne-style manner. You drop your Vikings off, you collect livestock, you go, you flip over ship tokens, get points, build some outposts, control islands, and it's basically a straightforward pick-up and deliver game. Now, people told me to get the expansion to this, rocks and ruins, so I did. I got the rocks and ruins expansion and I've incorporated the whole lot in it and is it rocks and ruins can I find it on here rocks and ruin pretty sure it's on here somewhere there we go so I have put it in there and basically all it does is it adds about two or three other options to the game for stuff that happens and you know and that's basically it really and it extends the length of the game you're extending the length of the game is not a good thing. I've played it with the expansion and I think that the additions it adds are not enough to warrant the fact that you add another like third length to the game. You add another 24 tiles to the mix and there's nothing in the rules that mitigates the game length. So you basically extended the game length. That's not good for a very simplistic pick up and deliver game where the turns are rinse repeat. Yes, the actions are relatively quick. You have four action points a turn and you spend them on various things and the turns don't take that long. But When you're doing it over and over and over and over and over and over and over again, by God, does it get monotonous. Now, you get some individual player boards, but you just get one extra way of scoring. That's all it is. It's not a particularly interesting differentiation. I like the way the map builds out. The map builds is nice, you know, like putting the Carcassonne tiles and having them line up and creating a nice little archipelago effectively. But again, that only lasts for so long. I think uh, this one's already on the coal pile. I just found this kind of dull. You know, even with free players, this game takes too long with the expansion in it. And if you remove the expansion, you remove some of the options. You just create a much more basic game. So, you want the expansion to add a few more options, but the options aren't exactly stellar. You get three different types of buildings you can build if you can find the timber to build them, which is on shipwrecks, which is just another token flip. Uh, you've got A slightly stronger version of a stronghold, a a fortress, works pretty much the same way apart from a couple of tweaks. It's just, it's not that interesting an addition to warrant the game taking forever. And and it took, I mean this game starts dragging past an hour easily when you've got free of you in that expansion. And it's just, that's too long. This game is just rinse, repeat, rinse, repeat. And if you're starting to creep towards the 90 minute mark with this game, then you're in trouble. Yeah, you know, I had to actually in one game, because I was other people were at the table waiting to join like some intro games, I had to deliberately remove tiles from the stack just to speed the wretched thing up. It's too slow, too long. And what you do in a game just isn't that exciting. There are much better pick up and deliver games. This one for me is an average. It's a five out of ten. I you know, I don't hate it. I don't think it's a bad game. I just think it's a dull game. There's just not much to it. You And I know it's meant to be a simplistic game in a sense. But compared to the greatness that Raiders in the North Sea is, this is a massive downgrade. I mean, if you showed me Raiders and then showed me this, I'd be like, ugh, this is a downward trend for you. Thankfully, they picked it up again with Architects. But yeah, you know, the fact that they're bringing out a big box for this, I don't care. This game's going on the coal pile bit disappointed i was hoping that this would be a lot better than uh, than it actually turned out to be especially when people were suggesting play it. and i know there are some fans of this game but nah i just found it dull you know pick up and deliver is not my favorite genre of all time but you know i've got whistle stop and a few others downstairs i do like some whistle um, some pick up and deliver games this one just doesn't give you enough interesting things to actually pick up and deliver right so we had that done Let's move on to some news. So we've got... Um, in fact, I better check first on the timer for that. 1842. Yes, i got. I got to get in the habit of writing down the timestamps. It speeds up the editing process. All right, Spill the Yaris. Spill the Yaris nominees have been announced. And I can't remember a year, maybe last year or the year before, where I've been so underwhelmed by what's on sale. It's like, seriously... I know we had a bit of a dull past year for games, but I'm not particularly excited about these nominations, frankly. I mean, the Spiel des Jahres ones, two of them I've never even heard of. Dorf, Dorf Romantic, the board game, Fun Facts, and Next Station London are the free games up for the Spiel des Jahres. Now, I've heard of Next Station London, but I've not played it. Blue Orange though? Matthew Dunstan? Okay, I could give this one a try maybe like it, but I've not had a chance to really try it because I've never seen it in person. I have never heard of Dorf Romantic the board game. This is complete news to me. You know, from Pegasus Spiel, it's 30 to 60 minutes, 1 to 6 players, although when it says 1 to 6 players and then the best is saying 1 to 2, that kind of gives me a little bit concerned that you've put 6 players in this and yet it shouldn't be. And what exactly do you do in it? I mean, it's it's based on a video game, but I've never heard of this video game. Uh, it's apparently an indie game. Um, Oh no, thrilling the gaming community since it's early access in March 21. So are you telling me that it's not even out properly yet and there's already a board game for it. So you work together to lay hexagonal tiles to create a landscape and fill the orders of the population, while at the same time trying to lay as long a track and as long a river as possible, but taking into account point scoring, the better they do it, the more points they score. So this is a co-op? Is that what it is? City building environmental puzzle territory video game. Oh yeah, it's a cooperative game. Okay, I mean, cooperative games are fun, I do like them, but I know nothing about this. Looks pretty on the table, but I've seen better. Is it that great? I don't know. Uh, I honestly have no idea. It's just the fact that this has come out of literally nowhere, and suddenly people are saying it's the Spiel Yaris winner. Rank 1511 as well. I mean, I know this is basically a judge panel and it's not really a community thing, but still, I'm a little bit weird about this. I mean, you know, Pegasus Spiel, I forget. Are they they German? Were they Belgian? I'm not sure. Uh, mbh is that a german thing i don't know where does it say yep the german company so it makes sense that a german awards would have a german game in there but yeah i have no idea if that game's any good you tell me has anybody played this i think it'll be at the games expo if so maybe i'll try it there but blimey this is like out of nowhere yeah what is this game okay well on that note what about fun facts uh yeah Not exactly excited about this one, guys. You know, it's got the makings of mainstream, like, target party game there. And apparently, it's pretty much that by description. I mean, a question is placed in the center of the table. How long is the perfect nap, for example? Then everyone secretly writes their answer on a colored arrow, places the arrow face down on the table. Once everyone is written, you take turns placing your arrow in relation to the other players from low to high. So, I know that mom is super sleepy, so I should definitely place my arrow below hers and after everyone has placed their answer in the center of the table, the starting player has the opportunity to move it, blah, blah, blah. Then you reveal everyone's numbers and remove each arrow that is out of order. Each remaining uh, provides one point for the team, and you do eight rounds, and that's it. This really does not sound like a game that's that fun. I mean, we've seen this type of game done so often. I'm not exactly... And also, this seems like it's going to be based on families playing it. Which, I gather, it's a Spill the Yaris. It's a family award, so it makes sense. But, you know, I mean, for gamers, there's nothing here, really. You know, I'd rather play Just One or So Clover or any of those ones, really. But, you know, this one just screams out mainstream party game. And I feel like we've gone past this kind of style of game. But this one is only going to be playable with people you know. I mean, how long is the perfect nap? Well... If I don't know the people around the table, how am I supposed to even comment on half of these things? It's kind of, you know, I don't know. This this game is just not selling itself as Spill the Yaris winner here. I mean, last year, at least we had Cascadia on top of a couple of other games that I wasn't a fan of. What was it, Top 10 and a few others? But yeah, this one is just not selling itself to me. So, I don't know what's going to happen with the Spill the Aris, But yeah, I'm just really not looking... I mean, I'll, I'd like to give Next Station London a try. I, Matthew Dunstan, has, you know, pedigree, but, yeah, i just not seen it there. Now, for the Kenner Spiel, it's a little different, although I'm still a little bit surprised. I mean, Planet Unknown is in there, which, given that it's had a lot of buzz lately, is not surprising. So, I really do need to get the review out for this relatively quickly, because I need to find out if it's worthy of a Kenner Spiel nomination. Iki, I have played. Iki is a decent little euro game. Very beautiful, very nice, but it wasn't amazing. I mean, I liked it fine. You essentially move around. Um, is this a prototype? Yeah, that's a ugh, that's a horrible looking prototype. Where's the, why is there no images of the actual game? How hard can it be to find some images of the actual game in progress? Seriously, where's the <laughs> why is it all prototype things? This game has been out. There should be pictures of the actual game. Ah, here we go. So that's a that's a better visual look at it. So it is a very pretty game. You essentially move your characters around this little marketplace. Go to shops that players can build. And every time you visit them, they level up. And then you get to sort of convert them to points and bits and bobs. It goes through multiple seasons. There's different types of things you can build. It's an interesting little game. It's a little bit fiddly. The rulebook was not written particularly well. There was a couple of glaring errors in it last time, I remember. So I'm surprised that gets overlooked a lot. But, you know, they, you can deal with them. But the the game itself is fine. I liked it. But, can spiel nominee? I don't know. But it does have some fans. And I certainly recommend people give this one a look. Because even though I was kind of like, yeah, it's fine, nothing major... I'd still play it again if it was on the table. And I think there's some people who are going to like it. So I'd be curious to see if this wins it, frankly. But then, what else did we have in that list? Challengers. What is this game? I do not know this game. I think I've seen the lid in some bits. And that's it. But this is a Kenner Spiel. I mean, that does not have the cover that screams out Kenner Spiel category. This looks like something that Kinderspiel would have. Or maybe the uh, Spiel de Yaris. But this is supposed to be a Gamers Award, effectively. This is like the Gamers one. Rank 1,856, and this is up for a Spiel DR. It's Not that I give the rankings much cop, but still. Um, So, an interactive deck management game for 1-8 to players with tournament gameplay style. Choose new members, add them to your deck, which could be Wizard, Alien, Cats. This sounds a lot like Smash Up. 75 distinct characters with more than 40 exciting effects, choose from 6 different sets, stay in flag processions, so it's capture the flag or king of the hill or something. It's not explaining a lot, but I've seen the lid to this game. I have not seen it played. I've seen no one play this game. Now, is it a good game? I don't know. Looks like it's got some humour to it. This looks like the most pointless playmat ever. I mean, is that literally the playmat? You literally have a tiny little playmat with a little bit of artwork and five bits on the side. That, why? But with all these effects happening and all these different characters, this just seems like it's going to have the same problem as Smash Up, where there's just too much going on and it's going to get hard to actually sort of look into it. I don't know. This one, again, is just not screaming out Kennerspiel. It's kind of odd, but has anybody played this game? You know, I'm, I know it sounds like I'm being harsh on these, given that I haven't played them, but I'm literally just going by impressions of what they're selling as. You know, what is the game about? What does it look like? Is this something that I would want to play? Probably not. I couldn't really see myself being that interested in this one. So... Yeah, the spill win- the Arras nominations are not exactly selling themselves to me, but I'd be interested to know your thoughts in the comments. Have you played Challengers? Have you played uh, Fun Facts? Have you played Dorf Romantic or whatever? And have you played Planet Unknown? Well, actually, don't say about Planet Unknown, because I've already got the feedback for everybody who's played Planet Unknown, and a lot of people like it. So, Challengers and Dorf Romantic and Fun Facts. Have you played these games? Are they worthy of this award? By all means, tell me right Uh, and then ticket to ride ticket to ride has been in the news because there's some rumors it had a little trailer on instagram for days of wonder and oh god watch my throat the luri's catching up with me um it had a little trailer and nobody knows exactly what it is it just says ticket to ride coming soon and it had a little video and it's got three designers on the board now this is what's getting people thinking because you have Rob Davie, Matt Leacock, and Alan R. Moon, the original designer. People who are in the board gaming industry and hobby will know that Rob Davieu is commonly associated with some legacy games. Matt Leacock is best known for Pandemic and the Pandemic Legacy games. So the idea that these two are teaming up with Ticket to Ride is getting people thinking that there's a Ticket to Ride legacy game on the way. Now, if that is true cool i guess i mean i don't know if ticket to ride's the game that i would want a legacy version for i mean that implies you're going to have a story and let's face it ticket to ride doesn't really lend itself to a story but if they're basically going to say well screw the story we're just going to have random events happen and it changes the map I'm down for that. I mean, you could do it. You could have things happen like natural disasters or war breaks out or various other things that just caught or like worker strikes that cause the train routes to change from game to game and that it might introduce new rules and stuff. So, and you could create your own unique Ticket to Ride map. So, you know what? I'm down for that aspect. Just don't try to throw in some arbitrary story because, frankly, I don't think there's really a story that Ticket to Ride can tell. So, you know, avoid that bit. But... If it is Ticket to Ride Legacy, cool. I'm down for it. I would try it. I would certainly be keen to see how they would go about doing it. But if it's not that, then congratulations. You've committed the absolute ultimate troll move in advertising, and I applaud you for it. So, uh, you know, there is that. But, well, I just have to see how that turns out. You know, do you want the Ticket to Ride Legacy game? And then, by all means, let me know. Right. Let's get on to something a little bit more controversial here. So, um, there's been a recent massive hoo-ha in the industry lately, involving a game called Xeon Trespass Odyssey, uh, which is done by a publisher called Into the Unknown, I believe, and a content creator known as Quackalope. Now, Quackalope is not a channel I subscribe to, but there's reasons for that. I'll get on to that in a minute. But basically, this to to cut a long story short, because I'm not going to go into too much detail with this, the creators of Odyssey called out Quackalope for essentially blackmailing them. the there's an email exchange which you can find on the web i mean this is the reddit thread where it all started effectively but uh kotaku has got uh, a good article on their website where they've got all the email exchanges um you know into the unknown have done their statements quackalope's done the statement on his channel so by all means there's the evidence is out there you can go read this stuff if you just google search it but i'm not going to go into detail into all the exchanges because we'll be here until next week but essentially the idea is is that um Crack-a-Lope did a couple of videos for Xeon Trespass and you know we'll get onto those in a minute but did some videos and apparently spent something like 50 hours you know looking at the you know 50 hours playing the game struggled apparently with the rules and that even though if you go on board game geek a lot of people are not having trouble with the rules but we'll say we we'll gloss over that but the you know they basically did a video which said it was amazing so if I can find the actual ones in Question. Here we... Is that Zeon Trespass? Where is it? <laughs> Promise, is Trying to search for anything on this channel is a nightmare. Where is it? Has he taken the videos down or was it just ages ago that he did it? Uh, Alright, let's just type in Quackalope Zeon Trespass. Okay, so let's just type in that. We'll find it then. Uh, really? Is he taking down the videos? Because normally it was a lot easier to find these videos. This is kind of odd, but basically he's no—he's no stranger to the world of controversy. But oh no, if I look at—if I look at this top one here, there's you can see these two thumbnails here. Zeon Trespass Odyssey 9.3 out of 10, and then another one saying Zeon Trespass is unplayable. I'm pretty certain those videos have been taken down or something because that's the reason I can't seem to find them. But. Essentially, he did a video saying, you know, like, oh, here's some cool things about this, and then he did another video saying that he just can't physically play the game, and called it nigh unplayable, and one of the worst games they have ever played. This is what they quoted in their video. Now, you know, that seems a little bit weird, and to be fair, full disclosure, one reason I don't subscribe to Greggelope is because I hate clickbait clickbait is something i cannot stand on the internet and quackalope is basically clickbait central you know a lot of the videos and a lot of the motivations are all about growth and subscribers and clickbait is the best way to get views i hate it as a practice i think people should stop doing it and the fact that one video said 9.3 out of 10 and the other one said nigh on unplayable like worst game ever clickbait it it's just clickbait pure and simple i hate it and i don't subscribe to it so that's a separate thing but now the idea of this is that they had an email exchange where basically the wording was in such a way where, you know, Into the, into the Unknown was basically talking about, you know, why there's some negative video, what's going on. The wording in the emails basically is saying that, you know, allegedly, and I got to use that term allegedly, that there was a blackmail attempt where Quackalope would basically said a bunch of content had been pre-recorded that was essentially bad. Like, bad negativity. And, you know, he talks about, like, going forward, I want a publisher that works with me on the, on the rules and stuff like that. And I've already done this content. If you want me to scrap that content, we can reshoot it for $7,500. And, you know, and that's apparently discounted we'll get on to that in a minute but you know you know basically we'll scrap that content and reshoot it for seven and a half thousand dollars now is that blackmail or extortion i don't know this is not what i'm trying to talk about here i'm going to divert the topic a little bit but this is whole allegedly i mean go read the emails go read the exchange go listen to a statement and stuff you know and make up your own conclusion for that you know uh, but you know, people don't go out and say, I'm here to blackmail you in black and white. You have to read between the lines a little bit and make up your own mind. But wow. I mean, firstly, some of the emails that I've noticed where this wording can be sort of allegedly said to be this blackmail thing. I work in a professional job as a tax accountant. I would get like, you know, I have to be careful how I write my emails. They've got to be formal, they've got to be clear, they've got to not contain errors, they've got to not insinuate anything, they've got to not, you know, appear angry or anything like that. I would be fired on the spot if I wrote emails like these ones, you know, where this wording could be construed as such, you know, or I would be at least in a disciplinary hearing. Clearly, some quality control or some extra checks, as well as a spell checker, needs to be done on some of these emails. So from a professional standpoint, seriously you need to tidy up on some of these emails but the main thing I want to get up to here is that this has now caused a big reaction from people so everybody is you know on you know board game geek I mean there's a 30 page thread here where everybody is discussing this it's been on Facebook it's been on Twitter it's been on Reddit it's it's everywhere everybody has been talking about this alleged problem suffice to say a lot of people didn't take to this pretty well and what it sparked is a lot of people getting into the idea about paid reviews and this topic comes up a lot you know people are really starting to now get into the idea of holding content creators accountable for stuff about whether their content is paid whether they're integral whether their integrity is good if they're just giving out good Ratings just because of, uh, you know, popularity or because they've been paid to do it or because they want to maintain good relationships. This is an ongoing debate that's been around for a while, and you know, a lot of content creators have even started doing videos where they explain their paid policies. I'm not because I don't see the point. You know, anytime I get a review copy of a game, I tell you in the video. This is a review copy i even thanked the publisher for sending me one so there you go that's the only compensation i get for anything anything i get even the kickstarter previews i've done were never paid all i got was a copy of the game a prototype of it occasionally i would get the game on fulfillment but for the most part i don't so you know half and half so basically that's my compensation nothing on my channel is paid People have asked me, you know, can you do some of this content and, you know, send me your quote. I wouldn't know the first thing about what to quote. Especially when Quackalope can quote $7,500. You know, his quote per video in dollars, I mean, forget the exchange for that. His quote on video per dollars is more than double my monthly salary. I'm sorry. My monthly net salary is more, is less than half. You know, his is double more than my half net salary for a single video. Okay, look. I don't care if you have a fancy 4K camera and know how to work Adobe Premiere Pro reasonably well. I'm not paying $700,000 for any video. I mean, for crying out loud, you want to advertise your game? Yes, I don't have the same reach as Crackalope, but give it to me. I'll, You know, I'm doing it for a copy of the game. You know, do it to me. give it to me and 20 other small creators, for crying out loud. You know, and yeah, why not? Give it to 20 small creators. In total, over them, you will get the same reach as Crackalope. And I guarantee you, you won't pay anywhere near that kind of money. Hell, there are people out there who will do this stuff for free, just to talk about games. I cannot understand the charging on that. That is just beyond ridiculous. But whatever, yeah, there's clearly a thing. But the idea of paid content i don't need a separate video to tell you all my policies about it i don't get paid for my reviews at most i get a review copy and that's it although less than half of my reviews are review copies a lot of them are paid out of my own pocket for example um you know i mean i mentioned the review copies i'm doing at the moment and you know moon and planet unknown and mindbug they're review copies great revive wasn't I kept asking never got one um you know lacrimosa was not a review was not a review copy that was paid for same with uh you know what other upcoming ones am i doing um uh, expeditions the new one from stonemaier games that's coming out the sort of sequel to scythe i not got that as a review copy that is entirely me buying it you know there's a lot of stuff that i don't get so you know you don't have to worry about my integrity in a sense because i'm telling it how it is for a reason you know, because I have no ties to publishers or designers. That's one advantage. Now, in, you know, so I don't think everybody else needs to suddenly come out of the woodwork and start disclosing their policies. If you just say on each video, whether it's a paid preview or whatever, then fine. And I've got no problem with people having paid content because paid content is fine if you are upfront about it. And depending on what type of content it is, if you are doing a paid preview of a game, like uh, 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 uh yeah, yeah, paid preview of a game, then fine. I know that your video is just one giant glorified advert and I know that I don't need to trust any kind of opinion or insinuation that the game is good or bad because you are just there to do an advert. This is why I don't watch Kickstarter previews because they are of no use to me. If I want to watch a glorified advert then I'll go on the I'll just go switch on the television or turn off YouTube premium or something you know and just watch some adverts. I mean you know it's it's kind of staggering how everybody does watch a lot of these adverts i mean were you excited when you watch tv back in the old days and in between your favorite show like it's like oh x-men is on yeah i get to watch x-men and then it's the commercial break and you get some advert for fairy liquid or something. were you excited when they interrupted your favorite show to tell you about fairy liquid no you didn't care about the advertising or the products that were on show you knew they were cringy you knew they were fake so, why is Kickstarter preview suddenly a better idea? I don't know, but maybe it's a weird comparison, but I don't know. We're, we're, we're kind of fine about these adverts and not about those adverts. But, paid preview, whatever. Now, where I would draw the line? Oh yeah, paid playthroughs, also fine. As long as you don't give an opinion. And this is the difference. If your review is paid for, you have no basis giving an opinion because we can't trust that the opinion is done with integrity at that point a review copy of the game is not enough to sway people's opinions for the most part that being said some small creators are just happy to get a review copy of anything and therefore could still do that but i think for the most part getting a copy of the game you know is not going to sway me i mean pursuit of happiness i didn't get any review copies of that one um you know, when I was playing it, the base game, the expansions, I paid for them and I reviewed them and I love this game. The only thing I've had from Artipia specifically, you know, for full disclosure, was I got a copy of this big box um, and the playmat with nostalgia. Yeah, I got that, but I did that for doing the ultimate guide video on their Kickstarter, so, and people know that, you know, people know that I've, you know, done that video and, you know, that's all I got, the big box, which is great. You know, it's a copy of the thing that I've done a review for, but they didn't pay me £5,000 to do the performance guide video. So, you know, there's a little bit of pinch of salt there. But if you want to believe that a review copy is enough to sway an opinion, then that's your business. But certainly it doesn't sway mine. I mean, I've done reviews for Kienda. And, you know, Kiender, the sponsor of this channel, you know, love our sponsorship. But they know, and to a similar extent, people like Osprey Games and Alley Cat Games, when they've sent me anything, they know I speak my mind. They like me for that. So they know that they're not expecting me to give a game a 10 out of 10 review just because they gave me a copy of the game. So, you know, I'm I'm not susceptible to being swayed by that kind of thing. But the... You know as soon as you start putting dollar signs in front of opinions opinions can be kind of skewed at that point and so if somebody does say that they've been paid to do a review of something i'm not going to tune into that video it's just i can't accept it i mean i know that there's just i mean whether or not the opinion has been swayed the fact that it could be is enough to cause an issue so you know, and a lot of people have said that most of their paid stuff is just previews and the occasional playthrough. Fine. Not a problem. You know, that sort of stuff is fine. As long as they don't say at the end, what did you think of the game? You know, what was my opinions of it? You know, did I like the game? You know, you know. if, you, if, if someone like Before You Play did a paid preview, I think their stuff's paid, I don't know. But, you know, if they did a paid playthrough and, you know, they played through the game, and then at the end of it said, I really like this game, then... I can't, you know, take any faith in the video, because they've been, you know, that somebody, well, I don't know if their stuff is paid, but let's assume this particular video, like for a hypothetical scenario, you know, let's say the video was paid, and they said, right, we played through the video, and I really like it, 9 out of 10, that's the problem, the playthrough's fine, not the bit where you give it a 9 out of 10, it just skews the uh, situation a little bit, so it's, Caused a lot of controversy with this. And I don't think this is an argument that's going to go away soon. Although I'm pleased to see that this is kind of being discussed. And on a side note. Thank you Charlie for actually saying. uh was it? This isn't true. Dan Farot, Matt Thrower, so very wrong about games. Broken Meeple, no pun included. And many others possess journalistic integrity. Thanks Charlie. <laughs> means a lot to me to read that. I literally did not know you'd read that until I browsed this post. Like before this podcast to do a little bit more research. But... You know, yeah, it's been discussed, a lot of the stuff. So regardless of whether you believe the whole thing was blackmail or not, it's down to you. I have my opinions, other people have their opinions. This is going to be one of those things where it's very divisive. What I'm trying to get at here is the fact that paid content exists. It's not the be-all or end-all if a piece of content is paid. As long as it's not designed to sway people into buying games based on their opinion an advert is an advert they are designed to sway people to buy stuff that's what adverts are it's just plain advertising it's manipulating people into buying their product but on this channel particularly you will not see me quoting dollar signs for content and even if i did i would tell you in advance that was happening um you will not see most content on my channel even with review copies frankly you know the some will be but every time on a video if i get a review copy for a game i will tell you i have you know full disclosure full honesty because the last thing i want to do is be a hypocrite and suddenly start hiding that kind of thing but you don't need a video on every single content creator's channel to say here are my paid pro- policies you know well game ramblings did one recently and i know some other channels have done it it's just you don't need it you know i if I trust you enough, I'll trust you. But just say on the video whether it's a review copy or not, or if you got paid, then I can make up my own mind. Yeah, we should be able to at least deal with that. But I'm glad to see that people are starting to take note of which, inte- uh, which reviewers they trust, which ones they believe have got integrity in that. And they're just trying to... I like the fact that content creators are being held a little bit more accountable for the stuff they put out. It's not just simply, oh, I'm doing content for the sake of content. It's No, you are doing this for consumers here. People are consuming my content. They are making purchasing decisions based on my opinions, whether they agree with them or not. They might think that their tastes are opposite to mine, so when I say I hate a game, they're probably going to like it. They've based a purchasing decision on that fact, though. So what I say has got to have the integrity to back that kind of thing up. Otherwise, it's manipulative. It's also misleading. It's not something I want to be associated with. But, you know, and I read a lot of comments on my channel where some people do say, based on your taste, I've gone and bought it or not gone and bought it for whatever reason. And I'm like, hope you like it. You know, I've given my opinion. I've said my piece. And I'm glad to see that when they do get it, they don't regret their decisions. But... Still, this is why content creators need to take a bit of stock as to what they're saying, because this is what people are doing. They're listening to their content and buying stuff, spending their money. And the economy is not exactly good for splashing out money on stuff that you're going to (sighs) regret. So, yeah, controversies around, you know... Take note, read Kotaku, read the Reddit thread, read the Facebook threads, you know, just watch Crackalope's statement and make up your own mind about that whole thing. But basically, this whole thing about paid content, it's here to stay and we'll see if it develops more in the future. Right, well I said it was going to be a long episode, we're nearly up to 50 minutes, I haven't even got to the UK Games Expo yet. So uh, how about we make a start on that? So, okay, UK Games Expo, I'm going to it. So, I I might even split this into two episodes. We'll see. Uh, Maybe I'll do two episodes. One for this and one for the Games Expo preview. We'll see. But, basically, yes, I am going to the Games Expo. Here we go. Yay! I'm going to it. Last year, I couldn't go to it because my brother got married. How dare he? How dare my brother get married on the Games Expo? I mean, that's just... That's so thoughtless of him. (laughs) Nah, I I digress. But, those are I jest. That's the word. But, yeah, it's, you know, it was just really weird timing. The Queen's Jubilee thing had to be that same weekend, which they chose as their wedding. So, no expo last year. Oh, turmeric. Do your job. But, I'm going this year. Full bang. Press preview. The lot. I am there in full disclosure. Polo shirts with the logo on. And it's, I'm hoping it's going to be a blast. Because I'm hoping it will be bigger. Now that uh, Covid's basically a thing of the past at this point, you know, you know, you know in terms of the uh, effect it's having on gatherings and stuff. Yeah, I think the Expo's back up to full steam and it's going to go off with a bang. So I will be there from Thursday evening for the press show, as well as Friday, Saturday and Sunday in full. I got a few slots in with some publishers, but for the most part, I'm just winning it. And am I excited for it? The Expo? Yes. The Games? Not so much. The Expo's not really known for being about, you know, like, releases of the new hotness. It's mostly about stuff you've heard about that you can now get. And, you know, anything that is brand new there is going to be in small quantities. I mean, if you compare this to something like Origins or Gen Con or Essen, it doesn't even, like, pales in comparison to those when it comes to new releases because, frankly, people time their new releases for Essen and Gen Con. Not for Expo it's too early in the year for that sort of thing to happen but yep i will be there as so now in terms of things i want to talk about with the expo basically it's held at the birmingham nec center and uh rather than talk about games i'm excited about i mean there's a few that i i'm going to pay some attention to and i will do some shout outs for some stalls um maybe i'll do those first but i mainly want to get into some tips you know, just some advice for people who are going to the expo, maybe haven't been before, that need to know some information before you do. So, in terms of some games, let's see if I can grab, you know, the list here. There is a list on the website. So, what's on show new games, basically. And you can scroll down this massive list of stuff that is there to back, to buy, to try, you know. And this is a good little compendium of everything that's there. But as I scroll down this list... I see a lot of stuff that I am just not interested in. I mean, you know, for starters, I'm not interested in RPG stuff. You know, there's a lot of RPG stuff there. If you're into it, fantastic. But I haven't done RPGs in years, so none of this stuff is for me. But then, I'm not exactly desperate to try stuff like... uh, What have we got here? Uh, Can't Go the Game of Poop, Points, and Pandemonium. Burger ASAP. um, Catan spin-off. Clever Cubed color flush you know there's a lot of stuff here that i'm just not that desperate to really try and i get this a lot with the games expo but there are a few that i will sort of mention uh firstly let's see if i can find it on here so lost ruins of arnak the missing expedition check games edition they will be you know showcasing hopefully this expansion off and i love lost ruins of arnak so this is definitely going to get a look for me and i've even got a map for the show here. So, in fact, I better give some indication of this. A chap has basically done an annotated. Well, actually, I'll, I'll cover that in the tip section. But, you know, in terms of check Game Editions, where are they going to be based? They are based on uh, Hall 2420, check Game Editions. I believe the designers of Lost ruins of Arnak will be there. And, yeah, I've got a. Uh, I think, not an interview with them, but basically a slot to. Get some more information on this. Definitely excited for more Lost Rooms of Aranat content. Uh, Alicac Games. I've done two reviews on the channel for Roam in the Day and Phantom Inc. These two games, I believe, should be... Sold at the Games Expo. I mean, certainly Roman the Day is at Alley Cat Games. Is Phantom Inc. also going to be there? Let's see. Phantom. There we go. Phantom Inc. So check out my reviews for more details on these two games. And by all means, head to Alley Cat Games in order to... Find out more. They are in Hall 1714. You'll find them there and you can check out those two games. One of which is a pretty solid party game for teams. And the other one is a very simple gateway level uh, I pick you choose mechanic. Uh, I also want to give a shout out to a... You would have noticed on a top 10 video a little while ago, I did a promo for a Etsy store called Shirts and Merch. This is basically Shirts and Merch Studio. They sell various board gaming related t-shirts. You might have even noticed me wearing a few of them at a couple of recent cons like the Ark Nova inspired coffee break, the uh, Caverna. Uh, resources or the Agricola resources as they're called the uh, keep calm I've read the rules t-shirt is from them but yeah they do a bunch of board game inspired uh, games a couple of mugs as well and you know you know I did a little promo for them they sent me uh, you know a few t-shirts to show off and you know I was very grateful for it and you know they will be at the expo and I've got their hall number Two nine seven seven. You will find them there. Go check out their T-shirts and see if there's anything there that takes your fancy. I've got a few of them. They're pretty comfortable. They're pretty roomy. You know, I didn't feel too hot wearing them at uh, Handycon and stuff. And yeah, they're they're cool T-shirts. So, by all means give them a look and see if anything takes your fancy. Not usually a merchandise type of person, but you know, they reached out to me. They asked, and I accepted. And you know, the t-shirts are cool, and I was glad to do the promo. So, you know, best of luck to you at the expo. Okay, what else have we got? Uh, uh, War of the Ring. Uh, yes, War of the Ring. Not the big game. The... Uh, other one where's watering so they got watering box and sleeves and the play map, but i'm more interested in wardering the card game because they are going to be showcasing the only on the shadow or against the shadow expansion to it which is basically going to be the solo and co-op i have a slot booked to do the solo demo because i like Wardering the card game it's a good game but you really have to play it with four players And that just limits my ability to play it, it's quite a big one, you'd have to teach a lot, it's just not going to hit the table very much. So the idea that I could play this as a co-op, where I could teach the rules as a goal, or play it solo, might mean I might reacquire this game, but we shall see. Ares is at the booth 1514. And, you know, by all means, if War the Ring, the card game, took your fancy, then by all means, check it there. Further than that, if you just want a bunch of card sleeves and boxes for the actual big War uh, bo- the Ring card... The War the Ring board game, including the playmat, which looks amazing, then by all means, check it out there. All right. Uh, Earth. You know, I've done a massive review on Earth. You know, check out my review for that. And Inside Up Games will be there to, you know, allow people to buy it. So if you've not got a copy of Earth, now is the time. The question is... Where on earth are they on my map? I've highlighted a bunch of stuff on my map. It's just a case of actually finding it again. It's not easy to... you know. I really should take better note of where these booths are. I will... I will find him. (laughs) Sounds like that. But they're around somewhere. Inside Up Games. Where are you? I will find out your booth number. Oh, there you are. 2532. There you go. Inside Up Games. Uh, So you are there. And straight above them, actually, 2538 is the other publisher, Hachette Board Games. They'll have a various amount of games there because they're a big distributor. But more importantly, they will have Tribes of the Wind. Tribes of the Wind is, a. I believe they will have it there. That is a fantastic game. I have done a review on this. Check out the review I've done. It is gorgeous. It is a cool game. You will now be able to grab a copy at Expo of it and also, I believe, demo it. So, if they have it to demo, get in a game of this and try it for yourself because it's not had anywhere near enough buzz. The Dice Tower kind of poo pooed it a little bit, except for Mike Delisio, who agrees with me that is a really cool game. So, I would get into it and make your own mind up people who i've shown this to have really liked it nobody has bounced off this yet from my experience so if you're into tactical card games that require you to react to what's going on this is a game that you really want to try um portal games uh portal games will be doing I uh, was portal will they be doing it uh imperial Ooh, i can't tell but Essentially, I'm hoping that if I get a response back to find some information about Imperial Miners. So, Imperial Miners is a new upcoming game from Portal where they it's kind of like a spin-off from Imperial Settlers. Different designer though. Um, same artwork style though and it's kind of in that setting. But you have six unique factions to explore underground treasures. I know very little about it beyond that. But... Could this be a really good fun game? I don't know, but I certainly am hoping that Portal will give me some uh, you know, information on it because this is definitely one that I've got very keen eyes on. Uh, uh, the Moon, Sinister Fish Games. I told you I'm doing a review copy of it, but if you want to check it out for yourself and also buy it, I believe, then Sinister Fish Games have it there. Yep, there you go, new to buy. And where's Sinister Fish? Sinister Fish are at booth 1574 so you can check them out there and that's mainly it i mean that's the thing i'm not that desperate for a lot of these games you know some of these games i'll pass by and go "Eh, i'll give them a try but a lot of these i've played or a lot of these i'm just not interested in i don't tend to you know you know funk i'm not interested in that series you know a lot of these smaller indie stuff i don't tend to look at Mainly, I just go to the expo to browse, see if anything catches my eye, find a few hidden gems. And mainly, I just like to do open gaming with people who watch the show or are friends of mine there. And check out the press preview, which, as I say, the press preview gives me pretty much most of the information I need at the time as to what games I really want to try at the expo. But yeah, there's only so much there that when I browse through this list, I'm like... I really want to try that you know some of these I've already reviewed like Elder Elder Rings Skyrim you know for example and you know but a lot of these are in the Witcher Old World I wouldn't mind looking at it but I'm not sure it's something that I'm going to want you know this massive campaign game uh, Tidal Blades Lucky Duck Games I've already reviewed it I can tell you that's a pretty good game you know so by all means check that out uh booth1986 sit down games uh tiwanaku is basically a board game version of minesweeper which is pretty good and i think they're going to have a uh, i think they're going to have a demo copy or maybe purchase copies of redwood are new to play so not to buy new to play but i'm interested to try out redwood because it looks gorgeous and i almost backed the kickstarter it was just a bit too pricey i think too much money for me to get into the kickstarter but i really do want to try the game because it looks cool and it's an interesting concept you know the whole photography you know photographing scenics scenes and nature and stuff you know add this to my nature collection i guess but yeah definitely interested in that and yeah there's just not much else you know i've got Various booths on here, you know, circled in because I like to at least browse them. So, Folded Space, booth 1644. Check out their inserts. I'm always into that. Uh, You know, Board Game Extras, if you want card sleeves and um, accessories for your games, then there is no better place to grab Sleeve King stuff than uh, Board Game Extras. They're at booth 1260. Uh, What else have I circled? Nothing much for the most part. Uh, Japanibay Games. Booth2102. I have no idea what they're going to sell. But they tend to sell a lot of stuff you're not going to get anywhere else. So I think people will make a beeline for that one pretty quickly. Uh, Taiwan Board Design. 2437. Definitely recommend uh, checking them out. Because they tend to do a lot of really small card games. And they you know, they come up with some gems. Vegetable stock is a good, you know, good indication of that. So, by all means, check them out. Uh, Empress 4, I don't know which booth they're on, but they, hang on, maybe if I can find them. Uh, Empress 4, let's find They're doing Walking in Burano, roll and write, which they're going to send me a, they're going to send me a, uh, you know, a review copy of this one as well. I've got Walking in Burano, and I think it's really cool. But who is actually there? So they're there with Wonderful World Board Games apparently has got this. Even though the publisher is Ember 4 So where are they? This... Oh, here we go. Wonderful World Board Games on stand 2577. So, okay. Yep. Ah, oh, yes, I see it. They're not far at all from Hachette and Inside Up games, frankly. So, yeah. I'm definitely going to have a look at this because I'm curious to see what this one is. In fact, I think... Um, are they delivering it, or am I picking it up at the Expo? I got a feeling I'm picking it up at the Expo, so yeah, I just need to go there and grab it. So, yeah, I'm definitely keen on this, because Walking in Barano is a really cool underrated card game. Could it be made better with a roll and right? I don't know, but I'm certainly going to find out. Okay, what else? Anything else on my list for games? Or things that I've circled in? Again, there's not that much. Uh, no, not seeing it. As I say, I'm going to play these things by ear. Oh yeah, Board and Dice, sorry, Board and Dice at Booth2202. Now, there's no game I'm desperate for from Board and Dice, although I've seen reviews in that pop-up about a game called Books in Time, or something like that. Book, 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 let's see if I can find it. Book in Time, Book in Time. Uh, Nope. There you go, Books of Time. I don't know anything about this, uh... A unique and exciting twist on tableau building, allowing you to construct three great books, each with their own set of special abilities that you can write and create cool combinations. Okay, sounds cool, sounds more thematic than their other games, but Board and Dice have not put out anything I've really enjoyed for a long time, and they don't tend to favour theme much. So this sounds like a game that could be really thematic and really cool, which is not Board and Dice's typical wheelhouse. Find out for myself i guess i'll go there and check it out and see if it's any good but uh booth 2202 so okay uh other shout outs uh yeah just a quick shout out also for paul grogan uh, Bill Grogan is doing, uh, there's a lot of live entertainment you can watch there. So some werewolf lives, uh, some weird comedy stuff, nightmare life, the dark room. I've never really checked those out personally. Uh, but, uh, Paul Grogan is doing a, um, I, I believe it's uh, partly, it's mostly for charity, but it's just one live. So basically the party game, that really cool party game, uh, players chosen from the audience will get to try to get Paul to guess a word by giving him clues. Matching clues are eliminated, blah blah blah. So yeah, you get to participate in a big jumbo game of just one with Paul Grogan. It's for charity, I believe. So yep, yeah, by all means, come onto the live entertainment section of the UK Games Expo site and buy some tickets and go watch it. I can't guarantee I'll be there because I might be indisposed at that point, but uh, you know, by all means, you know, if you can, go watch it, go support him. Great guy. Alright, okay, so in terms, I know that's a little bit vague on some of the games I'm excited by, but as I say, I don't go to the U Games Expo for new hot releases. I go there to mainly just see people. So if you do see me there, by all means, shake my hand, come up, say hi. You know, it'd be great to meet you. I'm just going to be wondering if I'm in a hurry, I'll tell you and just say sorry, I've got to run. But for the most part, I'll be willing to have a little chat in that, so... By all means, just come up and say hi. And maybe you'll get to play some games with me, we don't know. I mean, there's some friends I'm seeing there. I know I'll be gaming with them at times. I suspect I'll spend more time open gaming than I will actually round the trade halls. Because usually I'm done with the trade halls halfway through Friday. You know, by the time I've skimmed around the whole thing and gone, yeah, that's it. This time it's a bit bigger. So probably it will take me most of Friday to get through the trade halls. And then I'll have a few uh, interview slots on Saturday. But Sunday, entirety, apart from checking out whether there's some bargains on the retailers, I'll mostly just be winning it and just seeing what's around and just playing some games, you know. But more on that in a second. So, tips and things to be concerned about with the Expo. Um, Let's get that site back up. Right, firstly, I need to talk about actually getting there. Um, You can drive there and uh, park in their main car park. And I recommend if you do that, you pre-book it because it only costs about £23 to actually park there for three days. It's really good. But the train strikes. We have... Hang on, let me drink. We have train strikes happening with uh, you know the Expo on the Friday and the Saturday. The trains are not going to be running. So you need to find an alternative means to get to the Expo on those days. And I'm curious to see how many people have cancelled their tickets to the Expo because they had to rely on the train. I drive in because I stay in, a B- I stay in a B&B, you know, outside of the city and drive in. It's much cheaper. It's a 10-15 minute journey, if that. And it means that I can be flexible with the car and have a car boot. So if I want to put stuff in it, like games I want to play, I can just put them in the car. Nice and easy. But you are going to have to bear in mind that the train strike could be a problem. And if more and more people are going to try and drive, it might mean you might need to get there early to get a decent space. Now, there is a shuttle bus that goes from the car park to the expo regularly until about seven o'clock in the evening. Then you have to walk back. It's not that long a walk, but it is not exactly a light stroll. It's still a decent distance and it's not the most floodlit area in the world, I do warn you. But it's, you know, I've managed it and it's fine. Yeah, but, but all I can say is have an idea where you parked. I'm just saying. <laughs> the fact that I drive a bright yellow car kind of ha- kinda helps me in that regard. Uh, what else, uh, tips-wise? Um, as with most conventions, you are probably going to want comfortable clothing. It gets reasonably warm in this expo, but not to the point of being overheated. You should be all right, even though it's going to be a hot weekend. It's relatively cool inside, but... You know, definitely I would dress light. If you're going to wear shorts, wear shorts. You won't freeze in shorts. But I think if you wear heavy jeans or dress for warm weather, you're going to have troubles. You need to dress light. Also, comfy footwear. You're going to be walking up and down these halls a lot. It's going to happen. And, you know, you do not want achy feet. There are chill out areas, but you are going to need comfy footwear, trainers, light, uh, you know, sandals. I would not recommend those. What do I wear? I wear um, sketchers. I wear like sketchers, like light shoes, the leather ones or something, and they're very comfortable to walk in. So definitely dress light, comfy footwear, and also water. Take water. There's food and drink on site but it's expensive. I mean, the cheapest thing you're going to get is probably a Subway sandwich. And even then it's overpriced because it's the NEC center. So if you've got some snacks that you could carry in your pocket, like say a bag of nuts or some trail mix or something, that would actually be very useful. And in fact, I'm going to invest in a few of those myself, but carry a bottle of water. If you need it. Something that you can hold in your hand or carry on your person or in your pocket. Even if it's just a, a bottle of water you bought from the service station that you can just refill from the tap, do it you're going to be drained, you're going to be dehydrated, you're going to be talking a lot, you need water, and you do not want to have to buy water there. So, take water. Okay, what else? Cash. Now, unlike Essen, because I think Germany has some crazy ideas about how they do their merchant dealings laws, um, Pretty much I think everybody there is going to be dealing with a card machine. Now, some may be cash only, but I can't imagine there'll be many. I think the major players here are all going to have card machines because getting a card machine in the UK is pretty straightforward. So, you know, you shouldn't have too much of a trouble with cash. But there are rumors that the cash machines are slightly busted at the NEC center and you have to go to the resort world or the train station in order to get any money out. I don't know if they've been fixed yet, but assume they haven't. Carry a little bit of spare cash on you, but don't go mad, okay? You are going to need cash for some things, though. I mean, an emergency purchase at a particular retail that just doesn't happen to have a card machine, which, as I say, is going to be one of the smaller ones, if that. But you will also need £10 for a deposit if you're going to use anything from the board game library for open gaming because they require a £10 cash deposit in order to put your name down and take games out. You will not be able to play that with card. You need cash. So make sure you at least, at the bare minimum, take a £10 note. But it never hurts to carry a little bit of other change as well, just in case. But don't walk around with £200 worth of cash in your wallet. It's not necessary for the UK Games Expo compared to something like Essen. Uh, What else? Um, Food and drink, as it shows on there, you do have... Let's see if I actually browse some of this stuff. So food and drink... It's not healthy food, but they do have some nice stuff in the, um, outside. Meat Shack, uh, Jabberwocky, crepes, um, you know, street food galore. It's tasty. It ain't healthy, though, but it's there. So there's plenty of food and drink to get on site. If you want to be healthy-ish, then I believe there is a Subway sandwich store in there. So if I'm going to get lunch, I'll probably just buy a big Subway sandwich, like a foot lawn or something and just make it last the day. You know, that's probably my idea. But yeah, there's plenty enough to eat and drink uh shop and drop um it's a feature i never use but you might want to use it if you're carrying a lot of stuff it gets a little bit heavy and it's a pain in the butt well the shop and drop is at the top corner of the uh games expo i believe yes it's in booth 2880 it's on the top right of hall two seems a little bit far in actually i would have thought it'd be better to put it by the entrance but never mind Uh, i guess they need the storage space but basically you pay three pound per day you get a half meter square box and then you can drop stuff off so you can get all the storage you can fit into that box you can come back as many times as you like but you must get your stuff before the end of the day because anything not collected will be auctioned so do not forget to get your stuff but if you don't want to carry stuff around i think three pound is a nice little deal that you can do just to get stuff out of your hands especially if you're there to buy a ton of stuff (laughs) okay um you can even do pack and post so pack and post allows you to get stuff posted to your home address uh you pack all your games into boxes provided by pack and post add your address pay the postage and then walk away and games law will dispatch the games out the following week i've never used this frankly because i usually just carry it home but you know i certainly won't need to use it at the expo because i mean the last expo i bought one game maybe two one of them was the Snowdonia Deluxe set, to be fair. But that's on the coal pile now. But really, yeah, I don't buy a lot of games at the, at the expo. So I don't need to use this. But if you're buying a ton of stuff and you don't want to carry it um, around. Or if you've got a poster overseas. Pack pack and post, actually, was it? Ah, no. Shipping to Great Britain only. Not including Northern Ireland as well. You can't... Oh, my friend's not going to like that. Um, yeah, you can't... Literally... I mean, Great Britain, not including Northern Ireland. Well, last time I checked, United Kingdom, Northern Ireland was still included. How dare you? But, yeah, it is more expensive to post to Northern Ireland. There are problems there. So, you know, yeah. So it's a bit of a restricted service. I don't feel you would need to. I mean, frankly, if you live in the UK, you're just going to transport it back on the car or in the train. Well, not the train in this instance, I guess. But you'll probably have a car boot but then I suppose if you're trying to get there by some other means and you don't have a card, then the pack and post could still be useful. But as I say, it's there if you need it. Right. Uh, what have they got in the first timer's guide? Have oh, they got... Oh, this is just... Uh, get dressed up. Oh, this is just basically mentioning stuff. So, other tips to mention. The map. Yes, the map. Uh, let me find it. Annotated UK Games Expo map. Let me find it. Uh, The OfflineGamer.co.uk, okay? Search for UK Games Expo Annotated Map on Google and you'll find it. But it's called The Offline Gamer. You can see the website here. Um, You know, by all means, they've got a podcast and YouTube channel you can check out as well. But every year he does basically a big annotated map of the expo. So, as you can see, I've printed mine out on a 3. You can print yours out on a 4. I recommend if you can print it out on A3, you do, because the writing is quite small on a lot of this, and the little boobs on A3, on A4, it's impossible to read. But you could just download it and have it on your phone, as on, on your device, and scroll it like that. That would work just fine. But, you know, very grateful to, you know, the Offline Gamer for doing this. It's a very useful resource. If you want a more useful map than the one you get in there, I highly recommend grabbing this on your pdf reader on your phone or printing it on a3 or both but basically get this map it's very useful okay uh what else do we have on the uh thing from so open gaming open gaming they do have a lot of space for open gaming you can go open gaming at the hilton hotel or hall free of the nec I tend to game in the NEC frankly because why do I need to walk to the Hilton Hotel when I can just stay around the halls and it's not too noisy you can usually hear yourself think particularly when it's a quieter time and there's a lot of space and there's toilets and all that stuff so I prefer to stay outside of the Hilton Hotel personally. Uh, Opening hours uh, 7 till 11 on a Thursday for NEC only and then 9 till midnight and 9 till close on Thursday the other free day. So you can game for a long time. They have a board game library, which is open most of the time again, 10 pound uh just deposit. However, slight word of warning. Um if you can bring your own games for open gaming and you're willing to carry them or store them in a hotel room or leave them in the car boot, you might want to consider doing that because honestly, and I'm just going to say it, The board game library in the past has been crap. It's been crap. Uh, I've really not liked the selection they've put in the board game library. And I don't know if they quality check some of these decisions they make. But man they need to rethink it. It needs an update. Because there's games in there which I just cannot fathom why you would put them in a board game library for a giant convention. Imperial Assault. Would you play that at a convention uh, for the UK Games Expo? Would you pick up a library copy of Imperial Assault to play? Um, They have categories for Euro and Strategic. In a Euro game category, they have free copies of Mansions of Madness. Are you frigging kidding me? It's not a Euro game. And why would you play Mansions of Madness at the UK Games Expo? You need an app to run it. Are you going to take your tablet with you to the expo? And even then, you need some quiet. You need to be able to hear and read the app. Are you going to do that in a noisy open gate? I just don't get why the library is like that. Now, you can check out their library on this website. It's there. But it really isn't great. You know, I'm not expecting to be taking anything out of the library. But maybe I'll get lucky. So I'm going to have to bring some games that are relatively light that I can store in my bag carry them on my backpack you know i've got a game bag that carries on my back and then i just have to make shuttle t- distances to the bus and back or find a way to store them it's going to be a bit problematic trying to figure out how to do it and unfortunately what i would really like is some a publisher where i could store stuff but there's limited space and i highly doubt anybody is going to want to loan me a storage space just so that i can put games to play down there uh alley games I mean, no i don't know but <laughs> so, yeah i'm not trying to ask for that but like i say i usually find a way every convention and usually it involves me having to go back to the car and grab it and just make certain i can carry it so i'm gonna have to be very selective over what i bring but yeah open gaming is not a good library i'm telling you it's not a good library be warned okay uh the Brin and buy i used to love the Brin and buy i no longer use the Brin and buy you will find a ton of stuff in there. And I mean a ton of stuff to buy. No shadow of a doubt. There's a lot of stuff in there that you can use, but it is the dictionary definition of organized chaos. This thing is too big for its britches in my opinion. And you know, it's cool that you can see a lot of stuff in there, but they have restricted opening hours. You are not allowed backpacks in there. All the transactions in the Brin and Buy will be cash only. So I suppose going back to before, if you're planning to go into the Brin and Buy, you're going to need a lot of cash. Otherwise, don't worry. But the thing is, is that the Brin and Buy, I mean, you are packed in there like sardines. Trying to look at all these different games where people are either getting stuff for cheap or they're just scalping people, frankly. And you've got to queue at this... For ages. Every time I've tried to go to the Brennan Bay in the past, you're just herded like really slowly and you have to get there like half an hour early at least, if not more, just to get a decent place in line. You need to make it the first thing you do on each day. If you try to go during the day, you will not get in. Not unless you're planning to waste a ton of your expo time to get in. And I personally don't use the Bryn and Buy anymore. I will never put games in it ever again. And I will never go shop around the Brynn and Buy. Unless I'm desperate for something to do. And even then, first thing in the morning and early. But even then, I'm still not desperate. I mean, I could spend ages queuing there. Walk around it and see nothing I'm interested in. In which case, I've wasted my time. You know, if you're in... if I like Bryn and Buys, but this is too much. This is just a bit too much for my liking. But if you want to go to it... Then, by all means, um, you can certainly. Where is the Brennan Buy? Uh, the Brennan Buy is. Does it say where it is? Uh, please leave the bags in the shop and drop next to the Brennan Buy, which means the Brin and Buy must be up the top end. I see, yeah, so. Ah, that big grey space behind the shop and drop. Yeah, that must be the Brennan Buy then. Wow, that's interesting. They don't usually put it there, but. As I say, I'm just a bit hmm you know will they you know i mean will they be able to handle it better than in previous years i hope so a lot of volunteers do a good job making it essentially organized chaos but it's just it's too much queuing for me i tend to skip it but if you're into it take some cash out in advance and go check it out uh let's see now bearing in mind yes you can leave your bags in the shop and drop next to the bin and buy but you can leave bags to some extent in the NEC cloakrooms um, outside of Halls 1, 2, and 4. But NEC charges will apply. This is something I tend to do for the purposes of going to play open gaming. Because what I can do is I can bring the games I want to play in the morning, put them in the cloakroom, pay the charge. And then once I'm done with the trade fair, take them out of the cloakroom and then I shouldn't have to take them, put them back in again which is something i might want to actually do some research and find out how much those charges are because i don't know if they've gone up but certainly it's something that i tend to want to do all right uh is there anything else about the expo that needs to be said really uh i can't think of much i mean it's two halls not you know won't take you long to go around the whole expo you know you probably won't need all three days certainly so leave some time for some live entertainment i don't do tournaments but they're there certainly open gaming you know is better here than it is at a lot of the other bigger conventions so by all means you know do that but be warned about the board game library it's not good i mean seriously how hard is it to design a board game library but you know by all means maybe bring some light games of your choosing or if you are going to bring something heavy make sure it's in your hotel room if you're staying on site. <laughs> it won't work for me. I'm not bringing Art Nova or any like massive games along. I'm gonna have to stick to small and light. You're like, sorry, Pursuit of Happiness is not coming with me to the expo. Not for how big that is. So it's, you know, you've got to be a little bit more restrictive, shall we say. But I can't think of anything else tip-wise about the expo. You know, I'll be there the full weekend and I do look forward to seeing a lot of you there. Particularly uh, if you're a content creator, I look forward to seeing you at the press preview on the Thursday evening. I'll be driving up uh Thursday afternoon. I'm working in the morning and then I'll drive up Thursday afternoon uh to Birmingham from the Portsmouth area, so that's about a 3 and a bit hour drive. Oh well, needs must, but you know I need to make certain I get early nights because my body clock is shot at the moment. My early to early routine that I'm doing with work to skip the traffic is having an after effect on my sleep routine in general, where now I'm waking up at 6 o'clock, 6.30, whether I like it or not. So if I go to bed late, I'm not getting a lot of sleep. I need to get early nights at this expo and then get up early, or somehow trick my body clock into not screwing itself over. We shall see. Anyway, I am really struggling with my throat, and this is already nearly an hour and a half episode, so it's time to wrap things up. I hope some of that information was useful to you. I hope you enjoyed the rest of the content. Uh, hope a lot of it was interesting to you. But I look forward to seeing a bunch of you at the expo. Take care. By all means, check out more content on the channel. Check out the Roman a Day and Phantom Ink reviews I did for you know preparation for what Alley Cat is selling. Uh, check out the new content I'm doing, the what I've played, and the. Uh, keep all culls you know check out those and obviously check out the recent review i did for revive and i hope you look i hope you like the content coming out this week including the top 10 house rules which i will release probably tuesday or wednesday before the expo starts so if you want to listen to that in audio farm uh, audio farm audio form you can always listen to it in the car on your drive up to the expo that'd be pretty cool or this podcast i mean it's an hour and a half it'll take up most of your journey i suspect but yeah i need to go rest my throat Which, thankfully, because all I'm doing today is basically, um, after this podcast, playing some board games that I've acquired and playing Zelda, shouldn't be too bad. Uh, At least until Valheim tonight. (laughs) I digress. So take care. Remember, as always, it's only a game. Bye for now. And I hope that if you are at the Expo, you have a fantastic time. Take care.